Okay, now I want to jump in and, and preach this one more message as part of this series that we've been looking and going through these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we started off um, with the talking about fasting, and we've talked about prayer each and every week. And specifically today, I want to give you a guide, a template, a roadmap that you can use to help pray for your families and for your loved ones. Because I know this about my own family. Our loved ones and our friends and our family, they can be a huge source of joy and blessing and delight in our life. But at the same time, our families can also be a huge source of hurt and fear and anxiety and pain and worry in our life. In fact, if you're a parent, the moment that you see those two lines on that stick that says you're pregnant, that's when the worry begins. You think, is, are we really pregnant? I mean, you have to test. I, mean, I don't know how many times you need to confirm it before you're sure, but you just keep testing. Then you think, man, what if we're terrible parents? Or what if the pregnancy doesn't go well? Or what if the baby is sick? Or what if we miscarry? And then the worries only intensify when the baby is born. Is that breathing normal? Are they growing properly? Is their development on track with where they should be? And then things get worse. You send them to school. And you think, are they getting bullied? Are they safe? Who's teaching them? Who has input into their life? What are they learning? And then they come home and they say things and you think, where did you hear that word? And then, one that I'm not ready for, because my kids are eight and five, but I'm told when puberty hits... Things change even more. And see, I've been leading Celebrate Recovery long enough that I know that just because your family grows up and maybe even leaves the house, that doesn't mean that your worry for your family stops. See, because every stage of our life gives us a new laundry list of things that we can worry about. And I get it, friends. We love our family so much. We love our friends so much. We love the people that God has placed in our lives so much that we want the best for them in everything. And all of us are painfully aware that sometimes in this world, things happen to us that are incredibly painful and that leave scars behind. And we want to do everything we can do to protect our loved ones from experiencing these hurts that we've experienced along the way. But here's the problem with worry. According to Jesus, all the worry in the world accomplishes nothing. He says you can't add a single moment to your life by worrying. And in fact, Paul gives us in Scripture the antidote to worry, and it's something we need to be aware of. There's an antidote. There's actually a solution to our worry, and it comes in Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It says this, don't worry about anything. Well, that, that sounds great. Anyone? Like, that sounds great. Don't worry about anything. Instead, here's the antidote. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace. And how many of you can just say today, I would like to experience God's peace when it comes to worrying about my loved ones and my family? Well, according to Paul, the antidote to this is to pray to be in a place where we're praying about everything. And so today, here's my hope. My hope is that this would be incredibly practical. I've actually worked through this prayer with you before, and if you keep coming, I will work 
through this prayer with you again because I believe that working through this prayer is an incredibly helpful tool, roadmap for us in praying for our loved ones. And so we're going to take this prayer that Paul prays for the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 12. I'm going to read it for you, and then we're actually going to look at how can we use this prayer that Paul prayed for us to be able to, you take your note sheet home and actually be able to pray for your loved ones along through this prayer that Paul prayed. And so let's read it here. I'll, I'll read it to you. Colossians 1, 9 through 12 says this. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you would be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Amen. Now, I believe, the reason we just did 21 days of prayer, I believe God is calling us, Silver Creek Fellowship, his people, deeper and deeper into a a richer and more vibrant, committed relationship with him in prayer. I believe God is wanting us as his people to really take up this wonderful uh, responsibility of us to be a house of prayer for all nations and for us to be a people of prayer. God's looking for us to be intercessors for our loved ones, for our community, for this world. And I believe that if we would take up this responsibility, take up this mantle, that we would experience even fuller God's dream for our lives and for the lives of the people that we are praying for in our lives. So friends, I think this is really a unique moment for us as a church, that coming out of 21 days that we would continue forward being a people who are constantly reminded that God wants to be in relationship with us through prayer. And he hears prayer and he answers prayer, and boy, is that an opportunity we ought to take hold of, don't you think? I think so too. So I can hear some of you saying already, Kurt, I know we've talked a lot about prayer over the last 21 days, but I stink at prayer. I'm no good at it. I struggle with prayer. Prayer is difficult. Prayer is hard. Well, I share this quote with you probably twice a year, and here it is again. Max Licato said it, and it's been very helpful for me. He said, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. It's not about, friends, how well you pray, how nice you pray, how your prayers sound. It's not about our big, flowery, perfectly stated prayers. In fact, Jesus warned us about praying like that. He said that's how the Pharisees pray, to impress people. And he told us that we were to pray differently. And so let's look at this prayer together. And I just want to look through some sections of this prayer and talk about how you can pray for your loved ones. And so here's the first point in your uh, note sheet there today. The first section we're going to look at in how to pray for your loved ones is first, pray that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Again, 
verse 9 says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Every single human being needs to have a knowledge of his will for their life. And the word that's actually translated here, uh, knowledge, in the, from the Greek, it, it, it's more than just information about something. It, it, it conveys a full, accurate, and intimate knowledge. Now, friends, don't get me wrong. There's always more for you to learn about God. There's always going to be more for you to grow in your discipleship and becoming more like Jesus. We should never as a church think we've arrived at the end destination, right? We're all in process and we're at varying degrees of in process. But that being said, God does not want us to go through life unaware of his will. God wants us to know his dream for our lives. Ephesians 5, 17 says it like this. Don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, God is not some distant dictator who issues orders to you, and then like your mom and dad maybe used to say, when you say, but why? And he says, because I said so. That's not God. If that's the voice you're hearing, that's not God. Your parents may have said, because I said so, but God doesn't speak to you that way. In fact, Jesus told us this, John 15, 13 through 15. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. But now you are my friends since I have told you Everything the Father told me. See, this is the relationship we have with God. We are friends. He wants us to know His will for our life. He wants you to know His dream for your life. And as we study His Word, and as we pray, and as we spend more and more time about Him, and as the Holy Spirit is revealing God's purpose and plan to us in our life, we are growing we don't have to stay stuck in the same places that we're stuck. And the people you're praying for, friends, don't have to stay stuck where they're stuck. By knowing God's will for their life, our lives can be transformed. And I want you to pray this wonderful reality that we are praying for them to know God's will for their life. Pray that they would understand what God wants for their life, that they would know God's perfect dream for their life. And we're not just talking about knowledge, head knowledge, information up here. The Bible word, again, we've talked about this word a lot, gnosko. It's more than knowledge up here. It's intimacy. It's a heart knowledge. It's relational knowledge. You see, we often, when we think of knowledge, we think of how our world defines knowledge. This is what the Oxford Dictionary defines knowledge. Facts, information, Skills acquired by a person through experience or education. The theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. That's not what we are looking for when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Christian knowledge is knowledge of a person. It's a knowing. It's an intimacy. You need to pray this for your loved ones. Not just that they know about God and they can pass a test, but that they know and have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Second Peter 3.18, he says, rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in your knowledge. Grow in your intimacy. This relational kind of knowledge. I'll give you an example. With my wife, I don't want to just read a book about her. 
I don't want to just know the details of her life, the timeline of her life, and then be able to pass a test where I get the right answers and then think that I really know her. But see, a lot of us in the Christian faith have exchanged knowing and having an intimate relationship with Jesus with having information about Jesus. And I'm afraid many of us have become comfortable with knowing about Jesus instead of spending quality time and developing a real, intimate relationship with Him. So pray for your loved ones that they would have intimacy with God and that they would know His will for their life. Friends, that changes everything. Here's the second thing we can pray for our loved ones. Pray that they will live lives pleasing to the Lord. Pray that they will live lives pleasing to the Lord. Verse 10 says, Then... The way you live will always honor and please the Lord. What pleases the Lord? It's not brilliance. It's not wealth. It's not prosperity. It's not popularity. It's not beauty. It's knowing and obeying that pleases the Lord. 1 John 3.22 says, And we will receive whatever we we request because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. Now, If I were to take a survey and say, who here would like your loved ones to live a Christ-like and obedient life? I think that's pretty certain. Most of us would say, yeah, that's what we want. But let me ask you, is it possible by our own strength to live a Christ-like and obedient life? No. (coughs) Scripture is clear. Hebrews 11.6. And it is impossible to please God without faith. It means that on our own, by our own righteousness, once again, the Bible compares our righteousness, the best stuff that we can do, the best stuff we can come up with, the Bible says that's like filthy rags in comparison to the righteousness of God. The Bible teaches clearly that we cannot please God apart from our faith. And here's the radical, scandalous good news of the gospel. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. (coughs) Now may the God of peace, who who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need For doing his will. Listen close. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Who is it, according to scripture, that equips you and produces in you the good things that are pleasing to his will? It's the Lord that does that. It's God's work in and through us. It's not something we can do on our own. That is why faith is important. That's why faith is the necessity here, friends. If you want your loved ones to live a life pleasing of the Lord, then don't just spend all your time praying against their bad behavior. We spend a lot of our prayer life praying against people's bad behavior. But what we should be praying is that they would be filled with faith, that they would know Jesus in an intimate way, 
and through that intimacy and that faith that in them God would be producing the fruit that helps them to live a life pleasing to the Lord. You see, I call this the Western medicine mindset of prayer. We look at the symptoms, right? And we try to treat the symptoms. So God stop them from doing that bad thing and that bad thing and that bad thing and that bad thing. Instead, we should be saying, what's the root of this all? What's the source of this all? Because we can treat the symptoms over and over and over, but they're just going to manifest themselves in a new way. What needs to happen is they need transformation. They need to be changed from the roots up. And how does that happen? That happens when their lives are given over to Jesus and when he brings his transforming power to bear in their life. John 8, 31-32, Jesus said to the people who believe in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, first they need to be a disciple of Jesus and, and then by being connected to his teaching, they'll know truth. And by living out the truth connected to Jesus, they'll have freedom. But so often we're praying for the freedom without first understanding, friends, that there's a process to getting free. And that means that having Jesus as Lord, having an intimate relationship with him is critical, is crucial in being set free. Here's number three. And this just, they just keep adding here. Number three is pray that they will bear much fruit. The second part of verse 10 says, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. See, God produces his fruit on the earth through spirit-filled believers. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And again, how many of us would say our desire for our loved ones, our desire for our family is that they would live fruitful lives, right? Yes, of course we want them to live fruitful lives. How do you live a fruit-filled life? To live a fruit-filled life, you have to be connected to God, We'll talk about that here in just a second. Connected to Jesus, His Spirit living in us, producing that kind of fruit. So, so often we're praying things, God, I just pay, He's got no self-control. I'm, he, we need to, he needs to have self-control, but where does self-control come from? It's a fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. They, they, they need to be a people who are in relationship, communion with Jesus so that the Spirit of God is living and moving in their life. Here's how Jesus put it, John 15, 4-8. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Jesus is pretty clear here. We're going to keep reading, but just friends, think about our prayer life now. He's saying you can't have fruit. You can't have any fruit. Remember, apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't be fruitful unless you're connected to me. So where should the beginning of our prayer life be? In the connection, right? We should be praying for people to be connected to Jesus in an intimate relationship because everything else is going to be dependent on that. Verse 5, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. And those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. 
Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you can ask me for anything that you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. The only way that we, or the people that we are praying for, can live a fruitful life, and not fruitful as our world defines it, we need to be clear about this, not fruitful as our world defines it, but a, a life that's fruit will last eternally. A life that's fruit will last forever and ever is by being connected to Jesus. And I just love that in this verse, in this prayer that we've just read, the, it, in verse uh, 10, it says, all the while. Meaning that as we're living this fruit-filled life, we are also all the while still growing. If you ever are around a a vine or a fruitful uh, plant of any kind, one of the things is not only is it fruitful, but if a a tree is bearing a bunch of fruit, that means it's healthy, that means it's going to continue to grow, right? And so not only are we producing fruit, but we're growing in our capacity to produce fruit at the same time. We're becoming healthier and healthier and stronger and stronger. The more fruit that God is producing in our life, the more strengthened we are becoming and the healthy we are becoming. Isn't that what we want for our loved ones? That they would be fruitful, that they would be strong, that they would be growing, that there would be life, that there wouldn't be, uh, that there would, their life wouldn't be marked by withering and shrinking and death, but by life and fruitfulness. As Philippians 1, 9 through 10 puts it, I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters, so that you will live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns. So let's be praying for our loved ones that they would be fruitful. Here's the next one, number four that you can pray. Pray that your loved ones will be strengthened with all power. Colossians 1.11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy. See, believers, for believers to live a life for Christ, we are going to need to be empowered for our life to live. Okay? We don't have the power in us. We can't muster it up. We can't work it up. We have to have him pour his power into our lives. And so friends, be praying this over your loved ones, that they would be a people filled with the power of God. 2 Peter 1, 3-4. By his divine power, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Listen to that again. Do you want your loved ones to live a godly life? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. This is what I want us to be praying for our loved ones, that they would be a people who are strengthened, fortified, that their lives are infused with and built by God's power. 
We all need Christ's power in our life. If you want to live a supernatural results life, then what do you need to have? Supernatural power. You can't get supernatural results without supernatural power. And the good news, friends, is none of you are sources of supernatural power, but God has made His power available in and through us by His Spirit. 2 Timothy 1.7 makes it clear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. See, the power that we need in our life is available to us by and through the Holy Spirit. The power that you need to get through what you're going through, the power you need to overcome your hurts and your habits, the power that you need to move forward in life, you can say, I just can't do it. I'm stuck. And you're, right. you, you're probably right. You can't do it. But the good news is that he who's in us is greater than he who's in the world, and he can do it if we will allow his power to work in our life. Verse 11 continues, it says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy. Anyone need patience and endurance? Any of your loved ones out there need patience and endurance? Any of you turn on the news lately and think that you're in need maybe of some patience and endurance? Well, friends, the Bible tells us that this is, what, this is what Paul was praying for them, that by God's glorious power, that we would be filled with God's patience and His endurance. This world is nuts, amen? The world around us is nuts, and it just feels so often like it is just getting crazier and crazier. And as God's people living in this world, you and I need to be aware we need to be awake to this reality that if we are going to live the lives God has called us to live in this world, we are going to need His power to do so. This is a world where bad things happen to good people. This is a world where difficulty is real. This is a world where people get cancer and get sick and get hurt and die and where things don't work the way they're supposed to. And if we're going to navigate this world with all of its effects of sin and all of its effects of the curse, then friends, we are going to really need the power of God. We're going to need to be our lives marked by this truth. So be praying for this in your loved one's life. Not that they would be strong and that they would figure things out, but that they would be submitted to the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. If you want to be a person who lives in God's kingdom, God's kingdom isn't like this earth's kingdom's. God's kingdom is a kingdom of power, supernatural power. So if you want to participate in kingdom living, in kingdom thinking, in kingdom life, then it's going to take God's power in and through our lives. So let's pray this. Pray this for your loved ones. Pray this for yourself. Pray that you wouldn't just act out of your own wisdom and out of your own understanding. Pray that you wouldn't just give advice quickly when somebody calls. Instead, pray that you would be a people who are full of the power of God, who are full of the wisdom and the strength of God, and who are trusting that God is in you and working through you. Pray that for your family as well. Here's number five, the last one. Pray that they will joyfully give thanks to God. 
pray that they would joyfully give thanks to God. He says in verse 11, the second part, May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Joyful thanksgiving is a life attitude and discipline of men and women who have entered into an intimate, fruitful, spirit-empowered life. See, sometimes we think of gratitude and thanksgiving as just this like spontaneous eruption when everything is going the way that, it, that we want it to go. It's like everything's going great. I can be super thankful today. I can have all this gratitude today because my life is great. Things are perfect. But how often, friends, is that the reality? So how do we end up being a people who are thankful always, who are living uh, in this attitude of gratitude, thanking the Father in all circumstances in the midst of challenges and difficulty? It's because we have to choose gratitude as a discipline in our life. And that word discipline is a, world that our wor- is a word that our world hates. Discipline. But friends, discipline is such an important thing for us believers to know and understand. Discipline is the thing that saves us from being a human ping pong ball that's batted around by our emotions or our urges or our circumstances or our desires. Discipline is when it says, no, I feel like saying this, I feel like doing this, but I have disciplined myself, my body, my mind, and I'm not going to go with what I feel like, but I'm going to do what I believe God has spoken me is true. See, discipline is incredibly important for us. And disciplining ourselves when it comes to gratitude is something that we need more and more practice of. And we need to pray this for our loved ones as well, that they would live thankful lives. The Bible says that we are to be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't mean that we're to be thankful for all circumstances. We don't have to say, God, I'm so thankful that this bad thing just happened to me. But we can, in the midst of that, in the midst of every circumstance and situation, be able to turn to the Lord and say, even in the middle of this, I know you're with me. I know you've never left me or forsaken me. I know that you have a good plan. I know that even if it doesn't work out on this side, that I'm going to be with you for all eternity in heaven. So I have reason today to give thanks. I have reason today to be a person full of gratitude. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I want us to consider Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18. This is what Paul says to us. He says, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Listen to this now. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of you have found yourself before asking this question? I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what God's plan for my life is. Well, Paul just told us that here is God's will for our lives. And this is true of your family members. It's true of your loved ones. God's will for our lives is that we would be connected to him in a real relationship. And as a result of that, we would be full of his joy, that we would be reliant on him in prayer, 
that we would be thankful in every circumstance because that's what God wants for His people. So friends, I want to encourage you today. I think we need to to think about our loved ones and the people that we're praying for, but I think you also need to look yourself in the mirror today and ask yourself this question. Have you exchanged information about Jesus for a relationship with Jesus? Because if so, that's the starting point. The starting point to anything that we've talked about is first and foremost that you would have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And that through being connected with Jesus, He would be bringing His will. He would be bringing His purpose. He would be bringing His fruit. He would be bringing His joy. He would be bringing His power into your life. See, friends, the secret to truly being joyful in all circumstances, to truly living these promises that Scripture has given us, is that you and I be reminded of the very last part of this prayer. He's reminding us, he says, he's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. Do you know that? That you and I have an inheritance stored up for us in heaven, and it's one that doesn't perish, it's one that can't be taken away, that you and I are, are have an inheritance, a, a God of creation has stored for you something that's too big for you to ever even imagine. And when you understand that, it changes everything about the way that we live our lives. Friends, I want to encourage you today. I believe God is truly calling us as a church to take the next step in in really being intercessors for our loved ones, for our community, for the Willamette Valley, for our church family, for our nation. I believe that God is calling us. He's asking us. He, he's, he's wooing us. He, he's saying, come on, come on, take your next step. Because I believe if we will, friends, I believe you can see transformation come to your household. I believe you can see your kids and your family members and your loved ones know Jesus and turn and lead a life pleasing to the Lord. I believe that when we, God's people, really trust and really call out to the Lord in prayer, that He hears us and that He answers our prayer. So friends, I would encourage you in this message today, just be renewed in your desire and your willingness to lift up others in prayer. Your list may need to get dusted back off. Some of you are here today because you had family members that were just tenacious in prayer, that wouldn't let you go. No matter how far you went, no matter what you did, your family said, no, we are going to stand in the gap and we're holding on. Who is going to be in heaven with us because you wouldn't let go of them in prayer? Who's going to stand for all eternity alongside of you because you believed God enough that you wouldn't let them go? 